0: Lob Talk Radio. Can anyone hear me? Can anyone hear me? Can anyone hear me? Can anyone hear me? Hello, hello, hello. Can anyone hear me? Can it? No. Yeah, 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 Um
1: yeah.
0: nothing? Yeah. yeah. I can hear. Okay, good. 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 That's a positive there. Sorry about that folks. I guess I'm having some issues with the uh with the switchboard, but I had to go to alternate means to get this show going and get this show uh, underway here. Apologize about that. So, as I was trying to say, this situation with U.S. soccer, trying to improve everything that they're doing during a board meeting that was available to them this past weekend, before the uh, inductions of the new class at the Soccer Hall of Fame in Frisco, Texas. And as we're talking about the Open Cup and one of their properties that they're trying to make better, I want to say to the Chief Operating Officer, David Wright, No, not the former New York Mets baseball player. No, this is a different David Wright, obviously. But I want to give him a lot of credit. I want to give him a lot of kudos when it comes to what he is trying to do to make the U.S. Open Cup better, making the U.S. Open Cup stronger. And absolutely, absolutely... Doing everything possible to make the Open Cup a staple in U.S. soccer. Not just better with promoting it, better with making sure all these matches get televised and making sure they have the proper partners to make this important competition for all of us here in the United States proud and hungry at all levels. One member of U.S. soccer, sadly, basically threw cold water on this, and that is the Commissioner of Major League Soccer, Don Garber. Why is that? Well, obviously, ever since U.S. soccer broke away from Soccer United Marketing and went on their own, Don Garber feels that, oh well, I think I'm just going to go ahead and say something that's probably going to be a little bit outrageous, probably going to say something to demean the tournament, and say something that well, this is not what I wanted. This is not what Major League Soccer wants and my way or the highway. The comments that he made towards David Wright were very sad. Even though he did say something positive at the end, he still ended it in a negative way. And those comments are this. And by the way, I want to give credit to Jonathan Tannenwald of the Philadelphia Inquirer who was on the Zoom call for these comments from the U.S. Soccer Board meeting and getting the notes and the quotes on what Commissioner Don Garber said about the Open Cup. And here are those quotes. Dave, first let me give you a shout-out to the group to doing as best you can with this tournament. But I've got to tell you from our perspective, meaning Major League Soccer, It is a very poor reflection on what what it is that we're trying to do with soccer at the highest level. The games are hard to find. I'm telling you, as an actual viewer, the reaction from our ownership, from our team presidents, and even our fans in terms of being able to find the games. The quality of the games, some of the games that we've been playing in, are subpar fields. I would say that they're not games that we would want under our we would want our product to be shown to a large audience. So frankly, I'm not, I'm not all that disappointed with the audience as small. I appreciate the enthusiasm about it, but we need to get better with the U.S. Open Cup. It's just not the proper reflection of what soccer in America in, at the professional level needs to be. So I'm encouraged about the summit. I hope you'll invite a group of people from the league, whether it's our teams, our chief soccer officials, presidents, obviously people from the league office. But so far, our experience as, uh, as participating teams has not been positive. I just want you to be aware of that. Well, Commissioner Don Garber, you and your marketing arm of Soccer United Marketing, a.k.a. some, destroyed the Open Cup. Because when you were in partner and in league with U.S. Soccer for the promotion side of things, where were you? Where were you? I'll tell you where you were. Nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. This, Commissioner Don Garber, is a failure on your part. But it's also a failure on U.S. Soccer's part. And even though there are new people coming in or stepping up. To say, we want to change this. They are doing the right thing. Because Manchester United, Manchester City, Arsenal, Liverpool, Newcastle, Everton, Chelsea. I don't see them complaining about playing on lower level stadiums. Now granted, England its over 100 years old. Maybe over 200 years old. With the world's game but usually hear complaints across the pond about how Premier League teams are embarrassed playing on subpar fields because they're all the same. The only difference is the size of the stadiums. And at the same time, no one expected to build soccer-specific stadiums for our leagues here in the United States. It had to be Lamar Hunt Crew Stadium. And then that started to make waves in MLS. And now making waves in the USL, in the Championship League, now in League One of USL, hopefully NISA, and hopefully all the other lower-level clubs and all the lower-level leagues in American soccer. This argument or this so-called decision that you made to say it's played on subpar fields, well, not everyone has the finances nor is able to be in Major League Soccer 24-7 like some of these NFL owners are, or Major League Baseball owners are, or even some are in the sport itself across the Atlantic and the Pacific Oceans. So all I can say is, is this, Commissioner Garber, with all due respect, this tournament is important. Because even though we don't have promotion relegation right now, this tournament is the next best thing to allow these clubs below Major League Soccer to get the opportunity to knock out Goliath. And yes, I do hope the New York Red Bulls do one day win the Open Cup. i always be sad when they get eliminated in the tournament, whether they start off in this fourth round or in the middle of a run to the final. But I am damn proud as an American soccer fan, as an American soccer journalist. No, I'm not a journalist. I did not go to journalism school. I'm an American soccer reporter and a writer. I write about American soccer. But no matter what, I am proud of that cup. I am proud of that tournament. So please, Don Garber... Don't patronize us. Don't patronize us on this. We all want this to be succeed. Not just the national team. Not just the youth tournaments. Not just the youth teams. Everything involving American soccer. Because if you want to get rid of this and force your plastic Leagues Cup on us, no. It's got to be both then. Because I'm telling you right now, Commissioner Garber, I'm telling you right now, both tournaments are important. Both tournaments are important, especially the Open Cup. So don't throw that away. And now, ladies and gentlemen, tonight we're going to talk about the questionable craziness of this so-called National Soccer League, somehow a startup? Is it a startup? Is it a fraudulent thing that has come up in American soccer? And to join me to talk about this, sports business writer, Bob Williams, and of course from World Soccer Talk and Beyond the 90 at Substack.com, Carter Krishner. Bob, I want to go to you first. Uh, This Mr. Scott matchmaker Michaels, Bob. Yeah. Who is he, why does he want to create this professional soccer league or is it a professional soccer league? Why has he been so brazen to make this so-called startup happen or does he want it to make it happen?
2: Well, uh, hi. Uh, Those are all very great questions. I don't think any of us really have any answers. We can only just guess, really, as to who he is uh, he's definitely English he's someone who appears to be based in the north of England he has some links to soccer I'm not entirely sure what they are what his love of American soccer is uh, and the NASL clubs that he wants to seemingly resurrect again I'm not quite sure what the motives are um, I really would love to, to interview him or, or read an interview with him or, or or listen to one just to find out what his motives are. I mean, the the NASL appears to be a third iteration of the NASL. and I'm sure Karthik will tell you at length the reasons why both versions of the NASL failed, especially the second one. And We have to remember the NASL failed both times despite having so much going for them. Let's take NASL 2.0. It had a billionaire owner in Rocco Tamiso, a multimillionaire owner in Ricardo Silva, top international players like Raul, Nico Cranshaw, Giorgio Samaras, and Joe Cole. Well-known players like Tony Miola and Alessandro Nesta. Uh, Bruce Grobel, the goalkeeper coach. TV deal with CBS Sports. Decent results in the U.S. Cup. The list goes on and on about what the NASL had going for it, and yet it still failed miserably. And we could go on a length of what the NASL does not have going for it, which is seemingly everything. Uh, I don't even know if... Mr. Michaels has the actual intellectual property to resurrect these things. Or what is going to be an unsanctioned league? Who's going to play in this league? How are they going to get coaches? Uh, referees? Sponsors? TV deals? All this kind of stuff. Uh, just questions, really. And then the bigger question, probably the biggest question is, who's is going to invest in the NASL? And why would they do so? I just don't know. And Cardiff...
0: When this news started coming out about him starting this National Soccer League, I mean, you know, I kept my distance from it. I know you've kept your distance from it. I didn't want to start making any, you know, comments about it because I didn't know if this was real or not. But then you see a gentleman, apparently an actor, who was acting like he was the new commissioner of this brand new league. And it was very suspect at the time. And what was your thoughts when you saw that being portrayed on Twitter? Yeah, yeah, great
1: to be with you, Daniel. Great to be with Bob, uh, uh, my colleague, who I always have lots of time for. And it's wonderful to uh, talk about this, this topic with, uh, with both you and him. Uh, look, uh, I, uh, I, I thought at first, I remember when this, we first got dribs and grabs of this about a year ago, that it was somehow connected with the uh, adult amateur NSL, which is sanctioned by the USASA, by Don uh, Malta and the USASA, uh, as a subunit of U.S. soccer, and that this was just the nationalization of a league that has already uh, got divisions in Texas, uh, Florida, Colorado, I think one or two other places uh, they have, they have uh, uh, divisions, and then found out it was this completely different thing uh, Bob raises a very good question about the IP uh, because I, when I worked at the second iteration of the NASL, we actually registered um, uh, IP and copyright on some of those clubs that uh, Mr. Michael uh, says that he's going to bring back. Uh, now, some of them we didn't register, so some of those would be in the public domain and you could grab them. But some of them we did register. Maybe they've lapsed since then. Very possible although uh, Mr. Camiso, Rocco Camiso, has kept uh, the NASL alive as an entity because of uh, the antitrust lawsuit against U.S. soccer. Uh, But um, this is quite quite confounding because we're in a position now where we have multiple uh, lower divisions already competing in the United States, uh, and uh, there is absolutely no track record of any of the people uh, that we uh, ha, ha, that we know of that have worked in the game in this country being associated with this NSL, so there isn't a senior advisor. That, that Mr. Michaels might be talking to that we know or a consultant or someone we even may be a player scout. Um, and, and specifically on the issue of uh, sanctioning that Bob raised, I, I got the impression from reading what these uh, folks have put out, uh, Mr. Michaels and, and whoever else is involved with him, that they plan to play as an unsanctioned rogue league, which I think all three of us and all of our listeners know is an impossibility. You cannot do that. Uh, there is no way to actually feasibly operate a professional league in that manner.
0: No, that's very true. Uh, Very, very true, Cardick. And, Bob, when all of a sudden you go to that website, which is considered, in his mind, the National Soccer League, um, he, like Cardick said, there is already nine logos or nine crests of original NASL clubs like Atlanta Chiefs and Boston Minutemen and Washington Diplomats, LA Aztecs, and so on and so on. Did you think this man had uh, the ability to all of a sudden start up a league and and just just out of the blue is going to like magically happen?
2: No, I mean if you're going to start up a league. You don't do it by, you know, hiring an actor. This guy, Luis, who is telling you in some broken English how the NASL is going to be this most amazingly... And he recently admitted in um, a LinkedIn post that uh, he put, you know, Photoshop pictures of random people wearing NASL gear and that there's been all sorts of stories about the NASL nsl uh which seemingly had been made up he he, he admitted that it had been planted and he said this is nothing new and he said you know we're not trying to scam anyone which immediately raises a huge amount of red flags why would you even say such a thing why would you even use that word um so i i just i'm just confused as to what is he what is he trying to do if there if there is a business model it is selling merchandise based on these clubs because there is still some affinity uh To to these names, you know, the Aztecs and the Sting and and so on, history shows us that this league, should it ever exist, is going to be a complete failure. The question is just how close is it even going to get to launching? And um, I just can't see it happening. And then he even has the gumption to say we have nine clubs and we're going to save a place for the New York Cosmos. I mean... I just, my my head is just blown by this. I just, I'm just not quite sure how we get to where we are now to to this league possibly launching. And he said, I think in one of his tweets, that um, he's going to, you know, do some interviews with the press in June. I mean, I'd love to see that. But at this moment in time, the NSL exists on LinkedIn. It exists in, in tweets and a few YouTube videos. That's it. There is nothing else behind it, as I can see. Maybe he thinks some magical stuff behind the scenes. I, just, I would just love to know more. I just, I'm just i just baffled by the whole thing. I'm
0: baffled by it too, Bob. I, I just don't understand what is going on. And Cardick, you know, um, a colleague of mine that covers the New York Red Bulls, Mark Fishkin, he's the host and the creator of the Seeing Red podcast, him and um, a Tampa Bay Rowdy supporter, Mike Pendleton, were questioning this whole situation as well. And it's really amazing when, you know, you're trying to gain information from Mr. Michaels and apparently he's just saying all these things that sound so smart. And then all of a sudden he blocks them on Twitter um, and he's just going on and on and on. And as, I mean, I even saved the tweets that Bob said and, Bob, let me just say this real quick, and then we'll, I'm going to go to Cardick and then back to you, but I was appalled when he said to you to have some uh, have some uh, journalistic integrity, which I thought that was absolutely mind-blowing where he shouldn't have gone that towards you. I think that is so out of left field. That should never have happened, but Cardick um, it, it just keeps on going and going and going about how this is all going to happen. He's going to prove us wrong, and I agree with Bob. I want to see how he's going to prove us wrong, how he's going to say we also plan to raise capital via selling stock investors, you know, stock with invest, you know, with investors and stuff. I mean, come on. What investors? Where is he going with this?
1: Yeah. And, and let me say, uh, Daniel, the uh, I, I, I had been uh, WhatsApping and texting and DMing with people about how ludicrous this whole thing was but I actually hadn't said anything about it publicly until uh, he sent that tweet to Bob uh, questioning Bob's integrity. And it was at that moment I said, I need to get off the sidelines and, 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 uh, <laughs> uh, and help take this guy down because that was so out, out of line and uncalled for someone who is uh, uh, clearly, uh, uh, I mean, maybe we'll all be proven wrong, but at this point, clearly a faker has not given us the, uh, uh, has not given us any sort of, Uh, transparency into what his plans are than calling a trained professional journalist saying uh, you should have some journalistic integrity when he's the one uh, uh, sitting behind a closed door in a closed shop. So uh, that was the moment I said, okay, let's get off the sidelines. uh, Let me get off the sidelines. You had already engaged. And uh, you and I talked and and we wrote the article we did, uh, co-wrote that article we did on beyond the 90. But, um, yeah, this uh, hostility, the very people he would need if he was actually going to do this would be people invested in the game uh, that that promote the sport like Mike Pendleton, like Mark Fishkin, a journalist like Bob Williams, people like you and me, Daniel. And he has gone, and, and also um, uh, several other people, Harry, who, of course, is a a uh, 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 big USL supporter in, in, in San Antonio, other people who are very active in the soccer supporters landscape in this country and people who are genuinely, for the most part, critical of the quote system in the United States and of MLS. Uh, he's gone out of his way to offend and to, um, and to belittle and call names. So it, it, it's actually – quite strange. I mean I, I don't know if there's some sort of um if there's some sort of money play here. I mean the um my my training as 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 both of you know, a lot of it is in politics and, and my training uh from, from political writing and political journalism is that there's usually money behind every move, that there's there's some donor behind the curtain when uh, a politician says something. Uh, that uh, you might think it's crazy, but then it, you can rationalize it by saying, well, this is one of their big donors. Um, so I don't know if there's some money play here involved in why this guy would conduct himself in this manner. But uh, the thing that I think is really important to understand is what Bob just laid out there. This is basically vapor, this whole thing. Uh, there's a website with uh, with nine logos on it. Uh, there's a uh, a Twitter presence not much of one, right? It's a Twitter presence where they're blocking everybody who they, you would think they would want to engage with. And then there's uh, a couple of YouTube videos. So it seems like it's uh, very April Fool'sy in, in terms of being a joke, to be perfectly honest with you.
0: It really is. And, you know, uh, Bob, Mark Fishkin, who found this article on the National Soccer League site, basically said on the title, Atlanta Chiefs Return to the National Soccer League. I never thought the Atlanta Chiefs were ever in the National Soccer League at all. Excitement builds for fans and players alike. Now, Bob, I contacted two important people who are in the Atlanta soccer community. One is Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Doug Roberson, who is the beat writer for Atlanta United, and Jason Longshore, radio analyst of Atlanta United at 92.9 FM The Game. I asked them, have you heard this? Both said no, and Jason Longshore was very upset that someone is trying to mess around with the history and that name of the Atlanta Chiefs, because there are people in Atlanta who are still stewards of that name that they want to protect that name with the integrity that it came along with. This, Bob, is just an absolute disgrace of an article, yeah.
2: no matter yeah. who wrote it. Yeah, I think one thing that, that Mr. Michaels underestimated was um, uh, just the reaction that he's got, which is just pure cynicism and criticism. I think he thought he probably has no awareness of the fact that the just everything that went on with the second iteration of the NASL and all the journalists and fans that were involved and then nitpicked at, every, at everything and were critical of everything, I think he thought there's a lot of love for all these clubs, I'm going to launch this league, and I'm going to be welcomed with open arms. Instead, he's just been hit left, right, and center with all these people criticizing him and, and asking questions and, and, so, and so on, and his response is, as you discussed, blocking people and fighting back and, and so on, and is. I think he's just—it's just been a just a harsh welcome to him, in terms of what he's trying to do. And somehow he he has got to work himself out of the situation because it's just been a terrible start. Because he, as you say, you need to make friends with journalists who you want to promote your league in all the different markets if it's going to be in different markets and just soccer journalists as a whole, and not just soccer journalists, sports journalists, business journalists, and so on. And um, Yes. I mean, this is just as, we, as I said, this is one guy based in the north of England who is aware of these former clubs and somehow thinks he's going to launch a league or he says he is. And it's um, yeah, I, I, I would just love to hear more from him.
0: No, so would I and so would Cardick, and so would all of us, because Cardiff, you know, as well as I am and Bob knows this as well. Americans are invested in this sport. We are invested no matter what level it's in, whether it's in Major League Soccer, the United Soccer Leagues, NPSL, NISA, um, UPSL, even the actual NSL League, which is an amateur league under the umbrella of U.S. soccer. I mean, we're invested in this sport, and we're heartbroken whenever a club goes out of business or even when a league goes out of business, which you were a part of for a year or two before the NSL 2.0 went dead. Uh, after a couple of years, I mean, doesn't he not know how invested we are and, and how serious we take this situation?
1: Yeah, and on the Atlanta Chiefs issue specifically, this is very interesting to me as someone who, who worked for for uh, almost four years for the uh, for the second iteration of the NASL. We had actually uh, acquired the copyright and the IP, including all the, the old word marks and logos, for the Atlanta Chiefs with the intention of uh, rebranding the Atlanta Silverbacks as the Atlanta Chiefs. But then we did a fan vote uh, to make it Democratic and assumed that the Chiefs would win and they did it. The Silverbacks won. So we, had, we kept the, the team name as the Silverbacks. But that happened in, um, in late 2012, early 2013. And so... Um, Actually, Mr. Michaels may not realize that that team didn't have the brand equity even we at the NESL thought it had. We did a fan vote, uh, just like uh, MLS had done with Seattle, et cetera. And uh, and I remember the conversations in our office. We just assumed um, the Chiefs would win, and we thought it would be a courtesy to the fans to keep uh, – and said, oh, we'll still honor the Silverbacks' name and the Silverbacks' legacy – Uh, Because part of the thing, as Bob alluded to earlier, with the second NESL was to be a reiteration of the first classic NESL. But the fans had moved on in the the Atlanta area. At least a small percentage of fans that were supporting that club had moved on from the Chiefs days, and they wanted to keep the Silverbacks name. So, uh, in fact, that brand may not have the brand equity that – Uh, as Bob keeps alluding to this guy sitting in the North of England who has no other connection to American soccer that we know of thinks it has. And that might be the case with every, uh, name he's acquired. Um, Detroit express was one we had acquired at the NASL with the intention of putting a team in Detroit. We were very close uh, to doing that. Um, very early on, actually in 2010, 2011. I mean, I made a trip there in 2010 before we had even been sanctioned. Um, when we were playing in the US D2 league, I made a trip, exploratory trip to Detroit about uh, the possibility of, of reviving that club name. But um, I don't know that these brands with the exception of the Cosmos, the Cosmos definitely has brand equity. There's no two ways about that. However, you would have to deal with Rocco Camiso to get the Cosmos trademark um, and IP. And I, I don't think that that's going to happen, uh, especially as long as the NASL lawsuit goes on um, to your point real quickly. Yes, this is an important thing uh, for all of us to acknowledge. This tugs at our hearts because we've seen clubs collapse. We've been part of club collapses. We've been part of league collapses. Uh, We've covered uh, fans being displaced from their clubs. We've just gone through it in Rochester in the last month. I've had multiple conversations with people in upstate New York about how disappointed they are uh, in the situation and what transpired Uh, as the MLS next pro season was approaching this year. So this happens constantly in the game in this country. And so there's nothing worse than being teased about a club coming back or a name that you're connected with coming back and it never happening. So um, this could be really uh, damaging to a lot of fans if they buy into it. My, uh, and this is where we come in. This is why we're having this conversation tonight and why we've, Uh, why people have taken the stance they have uh, these last few weeks is uh, preempting it and making sure people don't get sucked into it is very important uh, if it's not legitimate.
0: No, no, it's not. And Bob, um, obviously, I know you've been in the country for a couple of years now, um, and I'm on the neslofficial.com site. I don't want to, but I mean, look, this is important (laughs) stuff that we have to talk about. Uh, news reports from L.A. Weekly. Now I don't know if that's a real uh, online publication or not. Just American news. There's no way that that's such a thing. Uh, he, of course, there is Bloomberg, and that's a real. That's that's Michael Bloomberg, former New York City Mayor's website for business. Pichero, which is an actual site, but apparently. An article called Industry Journalist from Pichero Raves About National Soccer League. Don't, that, that, I just don't know how that is. And it says Fox 21 Local News. Now, I don't know where Fox 21 is. Somewhere in the country. Chicago Press from the Chicago Mail. I don't even believe there's a, a, a newspaper in Chicago called the Chicago Mail, gentlemen. I know there's the Chicago Tribune, but there's no way there's a Chicago Mail. Or even Yahoo Finance is talking about the National Soccer League or recast. To me, it sounds like he's making up names of of publications or actually using actual news outlets, but just using them for the hell of it.
2: Yeah, I just want to read, actually, I've got the NASL website. There's like a press release, so I just want to read this to you. Scott Michaels is the founder and driving force behind the NASL, and his vast experience and expertise, Make him the ideal leader for our ambitious league. His entrepreneurial spirit, coupled with his passion for soccer and extensive knowledge for the sport, make him a true visionary. How about that? A true visionary with a clear and compelling vision for the future of soccer in America. Again, a clear and compelling vision has been anything but. I just—it's smoke and mirrors at the moment. He needs, for his own sake, just to, to to have some substance. Behind, behind what he's been teasing so far. and I don't know if that's going to happen, mm-hmm. but for his own sake, he needs to to, to show exactly what, what this league is about. Exactly.
0: And I completely agree 100%. And he has to show us what this whole thing is all about. Because just putting up these fake articles, Cardick, uh, is just mind-blowing. It, it, it's just unbelievable. And the hubris of Mr. Michaels is really showing because he thinks he can pull this off, which I don't think he can, unless he has real investors that he's not willing to share with us until he has this so-called press conference, Kardec. It's just it's just ridiculous.
1: Yeah, and and I'm I'm curious about the uh, the Bloomberg and Yahoo uh, news links because I think all those might have been ha- is Bloomberg aggregators or or or, or, uh, or, or Yahoo Finance uh, aggregators picking up uh, one of these uh, news stories from, uh, um, from media that, quite frankly, I haven't heard of. I, I mean, uh, LA Weekly might be one of those weekly uh, uh, papers. You get free papers that, that, that relies on advertising. That, that's very possible. Uh, but a lot of these other uh, uh, so-called uh, news outlets that are, are talking about them, uh, I, I'm not sure actually exist or have been pitched something that's not real. And um, another thing I should mention is that uh, sometimes there are uh, – with, with Yahoo Finance and with Bloomberg, and Bob Forbes is actually well-known for this, having um, individual bloggers who have a blog page where they, they go out and, and, and they, they kind of chase obscure stories like this, and, they, and, it, and it's, uh, it's got a, uh, a link, obviously, from the Forbes site or, or in this case, the Bloomberg site – but it's not actually Bloomberg News reporting on it, right? It's not, it's not the same people who send me my uh, – I'm a subscriber, actually, to Bloomberg Business Week magazine. It's not the same people who send, who write articles in that magazine that I get every week in the mail um, that are writing these stories. Uh, so that's uh, – the, the, the thing that, that's really crazy to me um, is that there was no media contact. There was no – place for media inquiries. There's no um, person to interface with. If you're a member of the media and you want more information, there's no uh, place on their website uh, for investors, right? There's no investor portfolio or investor presentation or um, address for uh, potential investors or potential sponsors. So um, it's really quite bizarre that um, you would be launching uh, this sort of project without getting any sponsorships or soliciting sponsorships or having a place uh, for um, uh, that, that sort of thing. If you go to any um, uh, a startup business's website, you will see that there'll be an investor presentation. There'll be a, 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 a kind of a, a ladder pitch on there. There will be a whether it's a PR firm that they retain. For media inquiries, or it's uh, or it's the daughter of the founder uh, who who want who, who's handling it or whatever it is, there will be some contact information for all of this stuff. There's nothing on this site.
0: No, no, there's nothing on this site at all. Nothing. It's just, uh, I'm just flabbergasted. But Bob, if I can just say this, if I can throw this in here, I mean, if Mr. Michaels, want to create a. Uh, a throwback clothing line for American soccer, for former NASL teams, obviously not the Cosmos because he does not have uh, the right to have the Cosmos because that's Rocco Comiso who still owns the rights to the Cosmos name. I, I mean, would you understand if he wanted to create a, a clothing line for all former NESL teams or even former American soccer clubs from the past, even before the original NASL came around?
2: Um sorry, can you repeat the question i I didn't quite get it. All... i'm
0: sorry sure, no, the question is this: What if Mr. Michaels is trying to create a historic soccer clothing line like t shirts you know jerseys like cuffs or like Mitchell and Ness that has done throwbacks of major league baseball, the n h l the n b a the n f l creating shirts and t shirts and you know, um, yeah. memorabilia stuff. I mean, I mean, I would, I could understand that if you wanted to do something like that, wouldn't you?
2: Absolutely. I, th- I think if if anything is going to going to come of this, that could be a success. It would be that. Um, as you say, there is a lot of um, interest in in vintage uh, sports memorabilia and clothing, and you could certainly make something out of that. Especially if you, as you say, someone like Mitchell Ness, if, if you deal with someone. Who's, who's an expert in this field. Um, but it doesn't seem that he's, he's, he's going to want to... He wants to do something that's far um, more ambitious than this. Although he says, he claims on his website, he's, he's secured the federal trademarks, re-registrations to all these clubs. So sure, you can do something with that. People will buy shirts uh, and, and other things. But beyond that, um, yeah, I, I just can't see it. And he says... Um, where is it? The relaunch of the Transatlantic Challenge Cup. What was the Transatlantic Challenge Cup?
1: <laughs> oh,
2: my God. So I, uh, oh, my I, I, God.
1: Just, yeah. So, so, Daniel, I do know that uh, it was Manchester City playing the Cosmos um, one year. But, yeah, it's not something anyone knows much about. <laughs> that kind of speaks to the to, to, the fact that he has not done the market research and doesn't know his potential audience.
2: Yeah. And also, it's worth pointing out that not every, not every NASL club was successful. You know, I think we look back with Rose tinted glasses about the NASL, but some clubs were successful and have brand rec- recognition. A lot of them were around for one year, two years, and just fell away. So, you know, the Minutemen, the Atoms, I, you know, I don't think there's much interest in that, you know? The diplomats maybe because of Cruyff and, and whatever, and the Aztecs because of Best, but uh, yeah, it, it, there are so many flaws here. I just... Um, I, I I just... I, I don't know. As I keep saying, I'm baffled. I, I just want to hear from him.
0: And so do I. So does Carter. So, does, so do all of us. So believe me, there are a lot of people on Twitter right now that wants to actually hear from Mr. Michaels to see what's going to happen with this whole situation because if this has been... A big ruse. He's got nobody to blame but himself. You know, Cardick, remember, I'll say this, gentlemen, and Cardick will probably know where I'm going with this. Paul Kemsley, who originally purchased the naming rights of the New York Cosmos, and what he did was bringing in former professional footballers in the United States, former footballers in Europe to be we- to wear kits made by Umbro with the New York Cosmos original logo, the original crest, and played against Manchester United in a friendly just to show kits. And so many Cosmos fans who I know that they're dedicated, they wanted to see something different than – obviously what was the metro stars now the new york red bulls they wanted something more uh authentic but i'm sorry paul kemsley was a fraud himself to bring back that cosmos name Kardec.
1: yeah so this actually does when you guys were talking about apparel brands this reminds me of what kemsley was uh was was doing although i think in that case there was something i i, I know uh, uh, you, you you don't uh necessarily approve of what Kemsley was doing and and I agree to a certain extent but it was very clear that he had the Cosmos uh, IP, he had brought Pele back as a brand ambassador Uh, Eric Cantona was involved with the club and that they were going to be selling uh, 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 Cosmos apparel and that this came after there was a major motion picture made about the Cosmos that, that played in theaters across the country so there was a little more um, relevance to it being brought back at that point and a, and a little more uh, uh, transparency about the fact that, you know, this really is an apparel brand. Uh, this really is about selling kids, and they did a deal with Umbro, all of that stuff. Um, Bob makes a very good point about some of these uh, NFL clubs also not being successes. I mean, it, it is very easy to look back and romanticize um, the, the, uh, uh, the, the the league the first iteration of the NASL, but right off the bat, uh, Boston Minutemen which was a club that that failed. Um, there is uh, uh, varying thoughts about the LA Aztecs whether they were really successful in capturing that market. It did were successful for a time because of Kreysas, as Bob mentioned. Uh, Atlanta is one of Atlanta Chiefs are one of the classic NASL teams, no question about that. Although, again. Um, when we tried to bring that name back in the second iteration of the NASL, we were shot down by the fans. So maybe it doesn't have as much resonance. Uh, and, again, that was in 20, 2012, so that was 10 years ago. It didn't have as much resonance in 2012 as we thought it would have, so it probably doesn't in 2023. And uh, uh, San Antonio Rogues, these are these are not um, classic NASL names. Chicago's thing is, and that's uh, that. Chicago is one place where I think um, um, professional soccer is uh, a, there, There's a need for some uh, f- for the market, right? The market's underserved. Both USL and NISA have tried to put teams in that market, uh, and obviously, again, you you covered Peter Wilk's attempts in NISA with uh, with Chicago House. So that that would make sense. But again, um, this whole thing probably is, as Bob says, about apparel. It's probably about selling. Uh, Sure, there's a lot of nostalgia uh, out there for NASL, for NASL names, for NASL clubs. This is something maybe we didn't do a very good job at, It second iteration of the NASL. We were so concerned, at least when I worked at the league, about um, uh, paving our our own road and and being something uh, that was useful in the market today that there were opportunities we missed. I mean, I even remember – uh, when When the great Georgia Tinalia passed away, we had a debate in the in the office whether we even released a statement because we released 'm saying oh yeah, this is the same league and a uh, uh, heartening back to nostalgia. We did release a statement as it turns out but um, it, 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 you, if you're playing on nostalgia, maybe it is about selling uh, apparel, selling shirts and those sorts of things, because that is still a very popular aspect of the, uh, of the NASL. We see it in basketball, right? There's all this ABA nostalgia when the vast majority of those ABA franchises were were outright failures, right? Four of them got incorporated into the NBA. The rest of them went out of business. Let's not forget that. But there's a lot of nostalgia now about the ABA Um, and um, obviously the USFL thing. I don't follow American football. So, I don't know as much about that as the as the ABA nostalgia, but I noticed that they brought the league back with the same team names, which is also kind of uh, bizarre. But uh, maybe that's what uh, this gentleman Michaels is seeing: is that's those things happening and thinking, okay, I can do it in, in in American soccer as well.
0: Well, I mean, we'll see what happens, guys, because you know this is just really, really sad and to mess around with the American soccer public to create a league where even he said it himself, Bob, he's not looking to partner with U.S. soccer. He's not looking to partner with CONCACAF, nor is he looking to partner with FIFA. And I don't understand how he's going to attract any players or coaches that, you know, have an opportunity to be involved in Open Cup play, players who could be eligible for the national team, maybe even academies, and then you question those those youth players, if they're available to be on the youth national teams, whether it be U.S. soccer, Canada, Mexico, anywhere in this confederation of CONCACAF, or around the globe. How is he supposed to think that doing something different is going to help the player reach their ultimate goal on being a part of a national team, hopefully for a national team career?
2: I, I, I don't know. I mean, there is obviously, you know, structural and logistical issues with being an unsanctioned league in that it's probably hard to get visas for players. It's probably hard to get insurance. And again, what is the quality of the player going to be? Because presumably they can't play for national teams and, you know, there is, it's not really going to help their career, is it? You're better off being in college or being in USL League 2 and hopefully get spotted by the USL Championship Club. So, um, yeah, I mean, it would be an, a miracle beyond miracles if, if, if you know, there is a first season of this league and a ball is kicked in a stadium and it's on TV. It would be just a complete miracle.
0: And, Cardik, let me ask you this as well. I mean, if this, if this NSL League does get off the ground, would um, college stadiums, would high school stadiums, would they get involved, you think, with this guy? Do you think that they would grant him or some of these teams to all of a sudden get a stadium or at least get a stadium deal to use their their uh, stadiums? Because they're, they're definitely not getting NFL stadiums because they know if they want to host a U.S. men's national team or even a U.S. women's national team match, they can't cross US soccer. Yeah, I, I think sanctioning is,
1: is is an interesting uh uh question because I guess if you're not sanctioned, uh you can technically do whatever you want. So you don't may not need the same level of stadium or same level of anything. I mean, heck, who knows? They might they might play all these games in one location. I I don't know what the uh what the plan would be. We really have no uh uh no 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 uh um, uh, idea about that because they haven't been transparent. But uh, the real important thing to note is what Bob said. If you are playing unsanctioned, and I, and I kind of teased it earlier, but he, he, he uh, spelled out there what it means. If you're playing unsanctioned, you're not going to get visas. You're not going to get insurance. Insurance is a really tough thing. I've learned this working in, uh, in the sport, that uh, uh, getting insurance uh, for your players it's not easy, and, it, and it's more expensive in the United States than in other countries. Um, and then you're in a, also in a position where um, you won't be able to register your players. So basically any uh, team in a FIFA-sanctioned league can then take your guys without compensation. So and, and your guys will not be registered. Your players, are, it's, uh, I presume it's only a men's league. Maybe they're having a women's league also. So your male and female players can't be registered the normal way in the FIFA registration system because you're playing unsanctioned. I mean, there, there is, it is impossible to, to uh, have an unsanctioned league. It just is. Uh, whether you agree with uh, FIFA having this, uh, this structure and the sanctioning and, and, and what's entailed in that uh, or not, Uh, the way uh, football is set up globally, it is impossible to play on sanction. And I think this is something actually uh, the NASL owners themselves learned, uh, uh, both when uh, there were sanctioning problems in 2010 and some people at traffic sports were making noise about, well, maybe we can just play on sanction. And then they realized they couldn't. And then as in 2017, 2018, second, uh, second go around with that, you can't go rogue. You won't be able to uh, uh, Anybody who plays in a rogue league can't be called into their national team, et cetera. It's just an impossibility. That's why eventually Robert Palmer, the Jacksonville Armada owner, who was unhappy with with MLS and U.S. soccer, said, okay, uh, we don't want to uh, play by the pro league standards, but we would still have to get sanctioned. And that's where he got the idea of division zero from, which of course never took off. But even he at that point was acknowledging, okay, you can't have an unsanctioned league even if we don't agree with any of the sanctioning criteria. So uh, it's a non-starter. The the, the little piece of information he has given us is we're not going to be sanctioned by CONCACAF. We're not going to be sanctioned by U.S. soccer. We're not going to be sanctioned by FIFA. Well, then you you can't have a leak, quite frankly.
0: Exactly. Um, I guess, Bob, my last question to you about Mr. Michaels is this. Um, If you've already answered, I apologize, but um, have you gotten any information about how he is liked in the business world in England? Uh, what he's like—is he ambitious? Uh, is he underhanded? I, I mean, I don't know. You, you—I I was wondering if, you know, you have any inside information about him that we are not privy to?
2: Um, no, I mean, I'd, I'd never heard of him until um, until this all. Um, came to light um, on Twitter and I mean it, it, it seems like he's been involved in in retro stuff in soccer I think he brought back like a hair product um, brand that was that was around um, he, he seemingly he's interested in, in, in soccer nostalgia in a way and he has a few products or he's linked to a few products that, that date back to like the 1950s or things like that so I think that's probably where he got the inspiration of Soccer nostalgia from, but in terms of what he's actually done in the soccer industry, if he's been an agent or 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 something, I I just I just don't know. I, I don't know anything about him. Mm.
0: Well, that's the big question that hopefully we'll have it answered sometime soon. Hopefully quickly. And Cardick, final thought from you, please. Um, after everything that that has been going on for these past couple of months, those YouTube videos, the the tweets the blocking of us, (laughs) I've been blocked too. Um, I mean, overall, your assessment on this?
1: Uh, It it, uh, seems to be vapor. And I think maybe we've drilled down deep enough now that we've uh, found out that he is somebody who has uh, some sort of tie to the nostalgia uh, industry and uh, uh, soccer nostalgia and Perhaps this is just a, a play at apparel and, and having the word marks and the logos and selling, selling various products, which there is a market for. Um, there is, there, there, there
2: are
1: uh, one of the, one of the challenges when we started the NASL, as I was actually the first employee of the second iteration of the NASL. So I had to deal with this at the front end, which some of the later people didn't have to, the people who came after me um, was that there were, Nostalgia brands, Classic Sports was one of them, I remember, and some others that had, because all of these NASL trademarks had fallen into the public domain, they were selling things, and they were actually uh, profiting off of uh, the nostalgia, um, the height, the, the peak in nostalgia after that Cosmos movie, once-in-a-lifetime, had, had, had uh, aired. Now, ironically enough, the Cosmos were the one club that continued to be owned. Pepe Pinton, as you know, as you actually talked about a lot, Daniel, he continued to own uh, the rights of the cosmos, but all of these other brands had fallen into uh, other hands and there were t-shirts and, and uh, uh, hats and all of these things being sold with Tampa Bay Rowdy stuff and Fort Lauderdale Strikers and Minnesota kick uh, Chicago sting, et cetera. And there was a market for it. So uh, there probably still is a market for this, uh, which uh, maybe that is the, the play. But the thing I don't like is he's trying to reel in the emotion of soccer fans. At the same time, even if this is an apparel play.
0: Yep, I agree with you. Gentlemen, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Hope to have you back on again soon. And um, we're just going to have to wait and see what will the answer be from Mr. Scott Matchmaker Michaels. Thank you for joining me tonight.
2: Thank you. Thank
1: you.
0: Uh, Bob Williams, sports business journalist, and Carter Krishnire of World Soccer Talk, as well as Beyond the 90 at Substack.com. I uh, help out with Beyond the 90 as well whenever I get uh, interested in an article to write. And don't worry, there'll be more coming from me at Beyond the 90 as well. Um, well, the New York Rebels, officially, uh, they say party ways, but it's a sacking as Gerhard Struber, after the 1-0 loss to the Philadelphia Union, is out at the New York Red Bulls. Troy Lisanne, uh the former New Mexico United head coach who was on the Gerhard Struber's staff for a year and a half now, has been given the reins as the interim head coach, and he will remain there as interim until the end of the 2023 season after another 1-0 loss to the Philadelphia Union where all it took was one penalty to be converted and that was it done dusted goodbye and even though the new york red bulls did perform their best sadly their best was was not good enough even though they were challenging and they outshot philadelphia 17 to three the truth of the matter is this it's all about the ball being put into the back of the net. Not these expected goals. That, uh, that metric stat or the uh, analytics stat is just uh, a complete fabrication. I don't believe in it. And honestly, it is a waste of time with analytics. I think it's just a complete farce. What else is a farce? The refereeing. How do you not give a penalty to the Red Bulls where Damian Lowe handballs inside his own area, defending against Elise Manuel, his left arm swung at the ball, his left hand made contact with the ball, and you don't call that a penalty, even though VAR checks it and says no. And then you give a penalty to the Philadelphia Union, and VAR says to the referee, Joe Dickerson, hey, take a look, I think you might got this wrong. And he still says it's a penalty where contact was barely there officiating for the New York uh, against the New York Red Bulls has been an absolute disgrace by pro not just with the main referee on the pitch but in the VAR room itself now let me say i'm not expecting var to help the red bulls get calls nor help the red bulls earn confidence but at the same time they should not hinder or help the Red Bulls in losing matches either. They must be better than what we have seen so far. And that's where I call for the three main people of pro referees to get their acts together and to please, please, you must, and I stress this, You must find a way to make sure, to make sure that you get your stuff on point and you make sure, you make sure you fix this error and you fix it right away. Because this is getting ridiculous. This is getting ridiculous. This is just terrible. And I'm sorry, folks. You know, I'm not trying to go out and say the referees have to help the Rebels because that's not the truth. The referees have to be better in how they officiate these games. So I am calling out General Manager Mark Geiger, Chief Executive Officer Nick Primavera, and Chief Referee Officer Joe Fletcher to get all your referees back, have them relearn the laws of the game, relearn how to work VAR properly, make those calls correct. Because this is just a complete grace. Other than that, Troy Lesin, good luck. Hopefully, You'll have a better, uh, a better job here than what we saw at the start of this season. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank the guests tonight, sports business journalist Bob Williams, and from World Soccer Talk, as well as Beyond the 90, Carter Krishnire. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. Join me this coming Friday night, U.S. Open Cup fourth-round review show this Tuesday and Wednesday night, the fourth round of the U.S. Open Cup. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. Take care so long and bye-bye for now. And as always, please enjoy your football. Good night, everybody.